she has a wonderful gift. I, I wanted to learn how to play guitar, and I remember I, I learned the chords with my fingers, but I didn't make music. And I asked a friend of mine who can play, I don't know, half dozen instruments. I said, how do you do it? He said, you just sit down and do it. I said, no, 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 no. That's not how it works for me. <laughs> but anyway, we are in Philippians 4, 10 through 19. Um, it's kind of interesting. I Tuesday night associational meeting, I had the privilege of speaking from the same text, but it's a totally different message as we're looking uh, at joy this morning and the importance of growing up in the faith. There's a difference between growing old and growing up. We don't necessarily control our age, but we control how we walk with God and how He works and He teaches us. Uh, let's look at uh, Philippians 4, 10 through 19. I want to ask you to stand in God's honor. Find that passage. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment, and even more, I am amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Master, you are so kind, Lord. And you're so generous. And Father, you have graced us in so many ways. Many we miss, we don't see. A few we do. Father, of course, we come to Jesus, who is our Savior. He's the author and finisher of our faith. He's the one who is the big brother the Scriptures talk about, who set us free, who bought us back, who walks with us and, and comforts us. And Lord, we worship you, and we look to Jesus for our hope. And I pray, as we look at your word this morning, Father, I could easily have entitled this message, Grow up in the faith. Father, we, we don't need to lose the laughter. The joy needs to just naturally come out of us, Father. It's when we get that right perspective of who you are. It's when we catch sight that you are a loving, generous God. And I pray that you just speak to us this morning as we look at your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Satchel Paige, a baseball player from another era, 
said, how old would you be if you did not know how old you are? The picture is not merely how old you are on the outside, but how old you are on the inside. Not merely growing old, but growing up. And that comes by a walk with the Lord Jesus Christ through the years. Ephesians 4, 14 and 15 says, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And then in First Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, he says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up in the Lord now that you have tasted the Lord is good. We're called to, to grow up. To grow to maturity in Christ. To leave the elementary teachings behind. In the great love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, you come down near the end of the chapter. In verse 11, Paul says, When I was a child, I, I reasoned like a child. I talked like a child. I thought like a child. He said, but when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. As we look at this section of Scripture. We look at what it means to grow up. And the example given to us is the Apostle Paul. And that's what we want to focus on this morning as we look through our text. As we look at the great example Paul gives of a Christian grown-up. Let me put it that way. Uh, you know, I, I got to thinking about just signs of growing up in general. What are some signs that a person's moving on toward maturity? Uh, just a few thoughts I had. Uh, number one, when our concern for others is out, outgrows our concern for ourselves. You know, let's face it, especially when we're young, the universe revolves around us. The main subject is I, me, and my. Uh, as um, one of the ancient thinkers said, when you're young, you think everybody's thinking about you. When you're old, you realize nobody was. So that is one picture. Another picture is uh, when there's more than just knowledge, but there's wisdom. In other words, I don't just rattle off what to do, but I live it. Third uh, thought, there's a willingness to share responsibility. Man, it's easy to talk about everything that's wrong, isn't it? <laughs> but when do we get involved? And when do we reach out to, to help? Um, fourth, uh, when the presence of danger and evil is felt before it occurs. There begins to be a sensitivity to, to right and wrong and when danger is lurking around the corner. Fifth, um, when there's not only an understanding of the tasks that are at hand, but some wisdom in, in uh, working toward fixing those. Six, another thought of maturity is uh, being willing to listen when someone tells you an impressive story instead of coming up with one of your own that you think is more impressive. As a professional yacker, I have a trouble with that one. I want to come back in with what I think is a bigger story. And sometimes God says, well, you just shut up and listen to what is being said. Maturity. One commentator listed these four marks. To do a job whether you're supervised or not. 
to finish a job once it started, to carry money without spending it, and to bear an injustice without wanting to get even. Wow. Mature. Well, I want to look at areas here, as you see in your outline, of the Apostle Paul, of a Christian grown-up. What it looks like. First, in verse 10, he's affirming. Look, look at our text, Philippians 4.10. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you being concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Paul is an affirmer. Paul is, is, is sharing with these believers and he, he sees the best in them. He said, I knew you cared about me. I knew your heart. <laughs> I knew you were one that affirms, that builds up. And, and guys, we have that opportunity where we can build up or we can tear down. Ephesians 4.29, uh, one of the favorite verses in our family that, that tells us the importance of, of building up. Um, I'm going to turn to it here. Ephesians 4.29, it says... Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do, do your words benefit those who listen? Do you build up in what you say? Is your life marked by building up? That was the Apostle Paul. As he, as he looked at the church, as he looked at God's people, he wanted to build up the body of Christ. He wanted to be that cheerleader, that, that one with the pom-poms that said, you are made of God, you are, you are precious, and, and, and that was his heart. I, I remember uh, when I was in high school, you know, typical high school boy, he learned lessons the hard way sometimes. Uh, I was in my later teens, my best friend and I came home one night, and we would had a little too much to drink. Kind of wobbled in the door, there stood my dad. He looked at us. He said, boys, if I didn't know better, I would think you boys had a little too much to drink. And if I didn't know the kind of guys you are, too wise for that, I would certainly think you were drunk. And then he just walked out of the room. Guys, that was... You know, I'm 52 of 17. I can't do the math. But it is a long time ago. But I've never forgotten that. That was more effective to me than, you know, taking away whatever stuff I had. You know, the car allowance, whatever. That, that, that was more effective than yelling at me, cussing me out. Why? Because, man, he just walked away saying, you're more than that. You're more than that. The, the, the power of, of affirmation. Not to tell each other off. Not to belittle one another. Build each other up. Man, that's a part of spiritual maturity. And, and, and there's power in that, guys. Second one here. Look at verse 11. Contentment. Paul shares he's contented. He says, I am not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content. Whatever the circumstances. Contentment doesn't come naturally. We're not born with that contentment switch cut on. Oh, I'll just lay here and enjoy life as a baby. I won't cry. I won't be demanding. I'll let everybody sleep. Are you kidding me? 
You've had a baby, you know, it doesn't work that way. We come out immediately, look at me, meet my needs. <laughs> but there's something about a walk with God when we become aware of the fact that He loves us, that He cares about us, that He's with us, and that He sustains us, <laughs> and, and that He's there for us. Then in a contentment is able to be cultivated. And, and Paul, through lots of years of tough times, was able to develop that awareness of a generous God who cared for him and walked with him. And that's what he wants to do in us, guys. He wants not to take the pain away, but to do a beautiful work in us through that pain that shows us that our God is an awesome God and that he wants to develop us and chisel us into the likeness of Jesus it says in Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, to live a life of love. You know, as he does that work, why? So that we may be a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God. And, and that work of being content, of learning to trust him. Bishop of the early church, who people said, man, he just handles everything. Even kills smooth. Here's one of his quotes. He said, It consists in nothing more than making a right use of my eyes. In whatever state I am, I first of all look up to heaven and remember that my principal business here is to get there. Then I look down upon the earth and call to mind how small a place I shall occupy in it when I die and am buried. I then look around in the world and observe what multitudes there are who are in many respects more unhappy than myself. Thus I learn where true happiness is placed, where all our cares must end, and what little reason I have to complain. Isn't that good? All right, verse 12, uh, the next sign of maturity, grown-up Christianity by Paul. He's flexible. Wow. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. <laughs> I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether I'm well-fed or hungry, <laughs> whether I'm living in plenty or in want. You know, someone has said that uh, if you know we could add a commandment, uh, of course, I guess Jesus did add a commandment to the ten, uh, didn't he? He, he talked about um, love, love one another. So we'll make it a twelfth commandment. A twelfth commandment should be, uh, thou shalt be flexible and not get so bent out of shape. A lot of value in that. To be willing to adapt. Sometimes we get so fixated on our way. Our perception. What we want to see happen. When God may have a totally different plan. You know, I often say, God, I have my opinion, and it hurts sometimes when you don't agree with it. But He is God. And sometimes He engineers and works in ways that we can't understand and we can't fathom. And so we need to be flexible and not get so bent out of shape and learn to follow and trust Him through that. Next, uh, fourth. Paul shares his confidence we hear so much about developing self-esteem, having a good self-concept. But the truth is, developing good self-esteem comes not from self, 
It, it comes from God. Every good and perfect gift is from God. Our hope is from God. Our salvation is from God. Every blessing is from God. It's not from inside of me. And as Paul shares his heart, he shares his confidence. It's not self-confidence. It's confidence in Christ and in God. That, that he has learned and he has observed. Man, this isn't just book smarts. This is life smarts that's come out of that dependence upon God and, and trusting him. We, we've all quoted that uh, verse 13. Those of us that have been Christians for a long time. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. You see, when God comes into our hearts and changes us, and I love that Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, where it says, for it's by grace, not, not the stuff we do, but what he's done. For it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. And then that great verse 10. A lot of times we stop at verse 9. For we are his workmanship, created for good works in Christ Jesus, which he prepared in advance for us to do. That word, good works, is a word, um, I mean not good works, that word workmanship, we're his workmanship. That word workmanship is the Greek word poema, from which we get our word poem. We are God's poem. We are God's workmanship. You are precious to God. He created you. He crafted you. And the confidence doesn't come inside of you. It comes from the maker who, who crafted you. Who, who made you in a way to respond to him. And, and to be useful for his purposes. And, and to be beautiful and, and unique and, and, and wonderful. That, that, that's the kind of stuff God does. He as the old saying is, he doesn't make junk. And, and that, that's a confidence he provides. I, I love the Amplified of this verse. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equally anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I love that last part. I'm self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. In other words, um, when, when he's all I need, he's all I need. That, that, that's what Paul is, is, is sharing. And there's a spiritual maturity in that, in understanding that if God be for us, he can be against us. That there's a confident strength that, that allows us to, to have a confidence to have a hope where so many around us don't. Fifth, he praised them for their generosity. Look here, um, verses 14 through 16. He says, um, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. 
He says, not that I'm looking for a gift. I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. Paul says, I was hurting and I had a need. But Paul's point was to trump, not to trumpet the need. Paul's point was to trumpet how thankful he was for these Christian brothers and sisters who loved him enough to help him. To be generous and to reach out and to meet that need. That was his heart. I love this uh, saying from Sophie Tucker. Which reminds us, the truth of the matter is, we may not like to talk about money, but money helps, doesn't it? Money helps. But he, Sophie Tucker said, this is talking about women's needs. From birth to age 18, a girl needs good parents. From 18 to 35, she needs good looks. From 35 to 55, she needs a good personality. From 55 on, she needs cash. <laughs> Yeah, Paul did need the money, but and, and God used these wonderful believers to meet that need and, and to give and, and to provide, and, and that did make a huge difference. Sixth and last here, Paul sees himself as gloriously blessed. Part of Christian maturity is that we see the blessings. I, you know, I, I love in the... Uh, Scriptures in, in Hebrews where it says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God. It is too easy to miss the grace of God. And Paul is saying, I don't want to miss the grace of God. I want to see the blessings that are around me. And and as he he says in verse 17... It's not I'm looking for a gift. I'm looking for what may credit into your account. As he speaks to them, he says, I, I want you to invest in your eternal retirement account. As I mentioned the other night. You know, that, that which will last. Thank you for that generosity. But then he goes on verse 18. He says, I've received full payment and even more. I'm amply supplied. He he talks about the fact I'm blessed. I'm not just asking for more. He says, I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. He, he, he's just grateful for what God has provided. Sometimes um, we want to be so self-sufficient. We want to be, you know, so tough that we're not willing to receive help when we need it. And it takes a certain humility to receive the help. Other times it takes a certain humility to be able to give the help. The problem is we just need to listen to God. Paul, he, he, there are times he gave, there are times he received, but he says, God has met my needs. You know, I, I took some notes as I thought about this. Um, have you been blessed today? I just thought about a few things that's so easy to take for granted. Did you get out of bed through your own power this morning? I heard somebody say no. Somebody had to help. Most of us, the answer is yes. Most of us, we were able to, to get out of bed on our own power. You know, there are people that can. You know there are. What a blessing just that I can stand up and then I can walk. That God has given me that blessing. Um, you know, I thought of this. And after that, I thought, you know, when I said you got out of bed, that means you probably have a bed. You have a bed. 
I have a bed. Most of y'all have beds. I don't sleep on the floor. What a blessing. Man, I love my bed. I, I suggest getting a good mattress. I mean, you're on it a lot if you're like me. So it's a good investment. Uh, if you have a bed, you're blessed. Did you take a shower? We may find out. If, no, I'm just kidding. Um, if you did, was it with hot water? I love hot water. I had a, a friend of mine when I was in college. Uh, he took a year off and he he served over in Africa for a year and then he came back to college. And I asked him about his experience over there. He said, well, the toughest thing that I had to deal with was I never got used to cold showers. It's like, uh-oh, here it comes. <laughs> Man, what a blessing to have hot water. Okay, I, I'll go on here. <laughs> um... Did you eat something for breakfast? Well, if you didn't, grab a donut on the way out. The point is, most of us are so blessed. There are people who don't have any food. This is an article off of ABC News. It says, as many as 17 million children nationwide, this is the United States, are struggling with what is known as food insecurity. To put it another way, one in four children in this country are living without consistent access to enough nutritious food to live a healthy life. Wow. If you had a meal this morning, you're blessed. Even here in this country. And then verse 19, as we close, just reminds us, the center of all our blessings is God. My fear for our land, and I know this comes out in my preaching a lot, is that we have forgotten God. It's not that we're mad at God. We just ignore Him. Too often, we don't think He's going to judge us. We don't think about that side of God. And we miss Him, but He's the source. And Verse 19 my God will meet all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. As you serve God, He will supply what is needed to be faithful and to obey Him. And there's the maturity. Not only do you follow God and you serve Him, you learn He'll take care of you as you obey. And He'll provide what is necessary for that obedience. That's our God. That's, that's the kind of work that He does as He wants to grow us up so that we'll be Christian grown-ups. So it's healthy for us to think about, um, how am I spending my energy? Will it last? How much do I think about eternity? How much do I invest in eternity? How much do I share with others? How much is just going in? And how much of me is going out? And what Christ has provided to me and what He has bestowed upon me. So the call is not just to grow old. We're all moving that way. But to grow up. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for Paul and the example he provided. It, it wasn't just Paul. It, it was the spirit of God at work in Paul. That provided these wonderful examples of a Christian grown up. And uh, Father, sometimes I feel quite childish. And I don't think I'm alone. Help us, Lord, to mature in the faith. 
it's tough because your word says that the tool you often use to grow us up is pain. In James 1, 2 through 4, you say to consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you may become mature and complete, not lacking anything. Father, what do you want to do in those of us who are yours? How do you want to grow us up? How do you want to mature us, Lord? That's one question. Maybe we need to come to the altar and deal with that, those of us who are already in the family. The other side of that is um, there's no maturity if you haven't been born yet. As the scripture proclaims, uh, there's two births and one death. There's the physical birth and then there's the spiritual birth. And Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless there's an encounter with a living God where we are aware of the fact that we need to be forgiven and that we need a new heart and we need a new start, then we are dead in our sins. Although we are alive physically, we are not alive spiritually. And that life only comes through Jesus Christ. He is the one that provides that life. That's how he graces us. And, and I pray this morning, if there's somebody here that is ready to receive Jesus Christ in life that's lasting, spiritual life and forgiveness and a new start. Just be honest before God and, and say to God, God, I need you. Forgive me of my sin. Enter my life. Um, work in me for your glory, Lord. And, and he says at, at the moment we call out to him that he enters our lives and he... He saves us. He gives us lasting life. I pray that that might occur this morning if there's anyone who has has not trusted you. But Father, regardless, you want to grow us toward you. You want to grace us your direction. I pray this morning as you've spoken to our hearts that we would respond to you, whatever that may be, that we would not only hear your call, but we'd say yes to it. Father, as we stand, as we sing, as we follow you, um, whether it's to come to this altar or decide right where we are, or however, Father, you call, may we simply follow. In Christ's name we pray.